You're listening to Making a Living Show. I'm Roby Levy. Hi, I'm Leah Barak, and I make choreography, teach dance, Pilates, and make bone broth for a living. From an early age, Leah Barak trained in jazz, modern, ballet, and tap. But it was hip-hop that led her to New York, opening the doors to prestigious teaching opportunities, choreographing on Broadway, and starting her own bone broth company. Here's my chat with Leah Barak. Who are you and what do you make for a living? I'm Leah Barak and I make a lot of things for a living. Um, first and foremost being a choreography. I've been a choreographer in New York for 15 years now. And through that, uh, I have evolved into being also a Pilates instructor. And I started a bone broth company um, taking bones from beef and chicken and uh, making a soup. Okay, so we've got a few a few things to cover then. Yeah. <laughs> How'd you get started in dance? Let's start with that. Well, it was I was two years old. <laughs> and my well, cousin the Feo, chronological year by year. My cousin Feo was going to a dance class and I went with her and it all started from there. <laughs> uh, no, seriously, I've been I've been dancing for my entire life. Um, it's always been a big passion of mine. Um, obviously we know each other from Campermont in Canada and, you know, that was sort of my first time starting my own kind of program and really taking on, let me see if I can do this choreography thing for a living. Um, so I was 18 years old and we were going to, you know, either work at camp somehow, be a counselor, this or that. I didn't want to do any of those things. So I pitched this whole idea to start a dance program there. Um, and you know, they were hesitant at first. They said, let's try one month and see how that goes. And, you know, I said, fine, great, let's do this. We started that month and I was teaching, you know, from 10 AM till 6 PM every day. And it it was such a joy to be teaching all these people and everyone was so into it. And I felt at that moment, like, wow, I started this program. I'm 18 years old. I'm choreographing for all different age groups, all different talent now. So, you know, from there, I was obviously going into college right after that and trying to think of what I was going to do. And I really, like most 18-year-olds, had not a clue at first. Uh, So I thought I was going to be actually a fine arts major because I liked to to draw senior year of college or of high school. Um, And when I realized that I didn't really have a talent for fine art (laughs) and I was really good at tracing objects, but not actually, you know. Not a lot of work in the uh, tracing business, is there? (laughs) No, no, definitely (laughs) I realized that wasn't the kind of artist that I actually was. Um, And then I sort of found myself at Indiana University trying to figure out how I'm going to get more into a dance choreography career um, and study that being that Indiana didn't have a dance program. They had a ballet program, but not a full dance program. So originally I started freshman year applying, thinking I was going to apply to someplace like Tish or somewhere in New York to try to, you know, go that route. But then I realized that Indiana actually had an individualized major program where you could basically get a sponsor from the dance pro, the dance minor because there was a modern dance minor and someone from the business through the art school. So I got two sponsors and made a individualized major of arts administration, dance and business. So me and five other girls at the time, so there was six of us, we were all sort of in the same boat wanting a dance major that wasn't just a ballet major. 
so we sort of all teamed up together in creating this whole program. And that program actually ended up being implemented as the dance major at Indiana University the year after we all graduated. So that was really cool to be a part of that um, through that whole process. Um, and then, you know, after that, I took a year off to go travel, as one does, <laughs> and decided to pack all my stuff and move to New York. Uh, originally, I was planning to move to LA as a dancer. But at the time, I was still trying to do music as well. And so one of my friends who was kind of doing, um, he was in the music industry and trying to, you know, represent different artists, he convinced me to move to New York because I knew a lot of family, a lot of friends, and it would be really easy for me to transition there and um, work on both dance and music at the same time. Um, and my second day in New York City, I got a call from a friend of mine that I danced with that was part of the six girls in college. And she had been in New York for the full year that I was traveling. And she was working at Steps on Broadway, which is one of the biggest dance schools in the world. You know, and it's definitely for New York City, for me, I knew about Steps on Broadway since I was a child. I did dance convention always. I, you know, teachers that were from there, Joe Lantieri and, um, you know, Susie Taylor, these big, big choreographers at the time, I knew them my whole life teaching at Steps on Broadway. And like, I would take their class and just dream of going to New York and taking class at Steps and Broadway Dance Center. And I get a call from my friend. She's working in the, the pre-professional kids program at Steps on Broadway. And they had just lost their hip hop teacher to Legally Blonde on Broadway. She was going to do a Broadway show and classes were starting that Monday. And this was Saturday. And I literally just gotten off a plane to New York two days before that and was living in my brother's apartment because I didn't have a place to live yet. And she calls me up and she's like, hey, I saw you were like just moving to New York and we just lost a hip hop teacher. You know, I told my boss, you were an amazing hip hop t dancer, teacher, choreographer. You know, do you want this job? And I was like, Steps on Broadway calling me the day I get to New York. It's just <laughs> that easy, kids. Just just head to New York. <laughs> There's jobs just falling out of the sky. You would think so. <laughs> uh, but that, I mean, that was like just sheer luck. I mean, sheer, sheer luck. It does, it can happen. And I, I think some, there's a huge part of this industry that is very much luck being in the right place at the right time and like who you know, and then there is like the talent aspect of it. Um, so, you know, I had just literally got to New York. I went into this office. I was not wearing, you know, hip hop gear. I was wearing like a flowy, like hippie skirt and just did not look like a hip hop dancer whatsoever. <laughs> and just this like Jewish white girl walking in like, yeah, I'm a hip hop choreographer. <laughs> and, you know, just based off of my recommendation from my friend, the woman there, I guess they were just really desperate, honestly, to fill these few classes. Because she was like, yeah, you got the job. Like, we'll start you on Monday. Here's three classes that we'll start you with. And, you know, from there, obviously, like, I had to prove myself. If I was a really crappy teacher and the kids didn't like my style of hip-hop, then they wouldn't, you know, keep me going and, and all that. Um, but it really, it got my foot in the door in New York City, which is a really challenging place to, to be as a dancer and a choreographer. And I know a ton of people, you know, now that are in this industry and struggle daily just to like 
get their foot in an audition or is it because there's so many people or so few opportunities or a bit of both? I think it's a bit of both. I think it's um, even more so now there's so much more access to learning dance online that you have a ton more people that see, Oh, so you think you can dance or this or that on television as young kids. And then they want to be a dancer that looks so, you know, wow, cool, amazing. And there's so much, so much online now to learn that I just think that there's like an influx of talent that's coming to the city. And, you know, now that I'm in the industry more, I see a lot of my friends that, you know, once you kind of get into a show, you kind of rotate through that. And at this point now, a lot of teachers and choreographers and artistic directors, they like to hire familiarity. I do the same thing. I like to hire people that I know, and I know that they're going to do my work the way that I want to see it done. So there is a lot more of, you know, taking people's class that you want to get hired by and, you know, people seeing you in class and then sort of saying like, oh yeah, I saw that person in class. I love the way they move. I want to hire them for this. So I think there is a lot of that. Um, it's, it's very much like a give and take social versus also the talent aspect of it. Um, you know, hiring familiarity is a thing now in the city, I believe. It's familiarity and as well developing one's talent. So I mean, you're kind Correct. of getting it's 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 like an an audition you're booking and paying for yourself, but also you're getting a chance to learn. Right, right. Yeah, that's definitely a, a a very unique thing that must only be happening. I imagine in dance. I mean, I don't think people do that in the art world. Yeah, I mean, in the art world, obviously, you're creating you know whatever you create on something aesthetic and like dance. You're in a room and the artist essentially like is the choreographer is creating the art on your bodies. So the bodies that they're creating on, if they don't look the way that they want their art to be presented, then, you know, you get cut. <laughs> so, you know, it's, it's a bit interesting, you know, especially now, like even when you do get that big break, um, you know, I have a very close friend that, you know, booked, um, Hamilton was her first job, you know, in the city and she was very young and, you know, and then once that contract expired and she was out of that job, now it's been, you know, years and it's still the struggle of like, you know, getting the next gig. And it, it sometimes has nothing to do with your talent as a dancer. It has to do with your height. It has to do with your hair color. It has to do with the color of your skin, like what they're specifically looking for, for the diver diversity of that specific show. So it's, you know, there's a lot. <laughs> Psychologically, you got to be prepared. Do you think image plays a much bigger role in, in dance today just because the cameras are so close because of the constant coverage and self-coverage on, on social? Like, is, is style playing a huge part of it? Yeah, for sure. I mean, if you go to an audition, it's not just like going to an audition to like showcase your voice. You're going to an audition showcasing your full look. And that look is going to translate into like how you dance. And I tell this to my students too all the time, just in class. If you come into my class, a hip hop class wearing ballet tights and, uh, you know, leotard with some like pants over it, you're not going to look or feel the same as you would if you came in in sweatpants and a sweatshirt or something that made you feel more hip hop. So the same goes for when you walk into a room, if you're not looking the part that you're trying to 
play or be or represent in that style of dance, then it's going to be a little bit hard to, to actually emote that. Um, and I do think nowadays it's kind of sad, but a lot of jobs do depend on like what your social media looks like and how many followers you have. And, you know, that is, that plays a part nowadays, at least in the dance world. Like people are actually being cast because they've got a significant following. Correct. Yes. Like there are some auditions now that as dancers that you will go into. And if you have like 13,000 followers versus 2000 followers, you will get, you know, go through to the next round. If you have two people that are same talent, that person with 13,000 followers is going to get further because they have a higher social media following that could maybe help promote the show. Is this in pure dance we're talking about, or is this also on Broadway? Is this like, is this across? Um, I don't, I don't know across all performance. I know more, more for dance jobs for sure. Like whether that's like casting music videos or casting tours or sometimes, I mean, it can be maybe some Broadway shows, but I don't, I don't think it's as prevalent in that aspect. Um, you know, I mean, I know for sure there's a lot of Broadway shows as dancers that kind of circulate through the same choreographers that are doing that show that, you know, or if you, you know, are a certain, certain dancers in the industry just literally move from show to show to show as a ensemble because they know the ropes. It's easy for a choreographer or a director to hire them. There's not so much teaching to happen. And it's a small, it's a small pool <laughs> at the end of the day. Well, and I imagine professionalism goes a long way, right? I mean, there's lots of talented people. There's lots of good looking people. And there's lots of people that are pretty active social media. So all of those things can be crossed off. There are people that make their entire careers in the ensemble. Mm -hmm. And I'm always curious, like, how do they manage to do it? Are they just really damn nice? Are they super professional? What is it that they're doing differently, that they're constantly getting cast? Yeah, I think that has a huge part of it. Um, I know people that are challenging to work with that get ousted from casts and don't get cast again. I know I've worked with people in different shows that were really, really challenging in the room. They seem great, like on a surface level, but when you get into the nitty gritty of being in that room, they're really, really challenging. They, you know, can kind of second guess everything you're saying as like the choreographer or the associate choreographer or the director and, and word travels fast in this industry. <laughs> so, you know, just like one show that I worked on and, and there was someone that was really challenging. I had talked to a few people, you know, that were completely removed from the show about this person. And, um, everyone was like, Oh yeah, I heard that already about this person on another show. So it's, the word gets around and once that word can get around, that can really affect you. So yeah, it must yeah, be I hard think, to shake a bad reputation. Yeah. And people want to, people want to work with humble people. They want to work with kind people. They want to work with team players. And if you, in this industry, there's a lot of egos. There's a lot of people that think they're, they know everything and are better than everyone. And they're like, well, I don't care what she says as the choreographer or this and that, like, I'm going to do it this way. It's like, no, then you're not going to be a part of, you know, the next thing. So I think attitude and just being humble and trying to take ego out of it as much as possible is the way that people will want to work with you, you know, more and more and more. So 
So what do you think um, after this great first opportunity with Steps uh, coming to town? Mm-hmm. I mean, that could have gone terribly, but what do you think motivated you to continue to pursue this professionally? Um, first of all, like for me, the joy of the joy of choreographing and dancing. And I just, it's such an outlet for me. It always has been. I mean, it's also very stressful because I put a lot of pressure on myself to almost like reinvent the wheel every week when you have to like choreograph something new or is this cool? Are people going to like this? You know, and until you get to class and you put it on dancers, it sort of feels like, well, okay, I'm putting this on my own body, but is everyone going to hate this? Does this song suck? Like, is this not cool? Am I cool enough? Is my out? It's just like all those things that run through your mind, especially as like a young choreographer and teacher. And, you know, starting like my own open class, like open adult classes, that was like a very scary thing at first because it's impossible not to feel a like, everyone's judging you every class or if they don't come back to class again the next week, it's like, was it me? Like, does my stuff, it's just such a, definitely you. (laughs) (laughs) You What else would it be? Couldn't be that. (laughs) Uh, You know, and it's like a fine balance of, is it too hard? Is it not hard enough? You know, all those kinds of things. So, so how do you get past some of that stuff? How do you deal with it? Um, I call my mom and I cry. <laughs> um, no, in the I early called your days, mom. She is great. I've been <laughs> tears chatting with her and she just always perks me up. <laughs> yeah, no, she wanted to kill me through my twenties because I, I just put so much, every choreographer does. We all put so much pressure on ourselves and like, you're creating something out of your body that you're like, is this good? I don't know. Um, so I think like every time I got such positive feedback from people um or if I created you know a showcase piece and it people came up to me were like oh my god I love that you know that was awesome and then you're like oh okay it was awesome that's great cool so now I'm gonna like continue on with that and then the more people that I met in this industry and then started recommending me for other jobs it just builds you have to build confidence in yourself and just kind of start being like okay I know that I'm good I know that what I create is good people I'm a good teacher I'm a good choreographer I can get my point across um you know and just the practice of that and then the more jobs that I started getting the more I started to feel like okay I can actually make a living doing this and and make money and do what I love but, you know, it, there's also the other, the flip side of it for me was always, I grew up in a family where, you know, everyone, my parents, my aunts, uncles, like they had a, a family business and everything was like pretty stable all the time. And like, I've, I struggle to this day with how inconsistent my lifestyle is. And that's been like a huge learning curve for me personally, because I've gone through also a lot of injuries through dance that have taken me out completely for years at a time that I've had to figure out different ways to adapt. So everything that I've sort of learned from all of that has helped me figure out like what it is that I want to do. How much do I want to be teaching? How much do I want to be choreographing? What amount of money is my time worth also? Like at the first, people don't want to pay dancers. Like they want you to teach for nothing. They want you to choreograph for zero. And it's like at some point you have to be like, you know what? I'm this age and I've been doing this for this long and this is my rate. 
pay it or don't. And if you don't want to pay it, that's totally fine. And I, I learned this from my friend, Jonathan, who is like amazing at the business aspect of, of dance and teaching class and privates and, and charging what he's worth. And a lot of people don't feel comfortable doing that. And at the end of the day, it's your time and it's your body and it's your energy that you're putting out there. And if you're good at what you do, you should be able to charge what you charge and people will either pay that or they won't. And that's fine. <laughs> and that's what I've learned. What's generally the response when you, you give your rate and someone says, well, I can't pay that. What's the next, what's the next part of that conversation? Is it just that you say, well, I'm sorry, obviously, you know, I'm not the right teacher for you. Or is there, you know, do you refer to, to for example, to, to uh, some up and comer who may be an appropriate fit? Yeah. Is, is there that kind of community and, and handoff? For sure. In New York, there is, I would say New York more than like LA people genuinely will help each other out. Like I've, I've seen that from, you know, even my friend Jonathan who connected me a lot at the beginning of my dance career with like different dance studios. And I ended up like teaching at a time that was like kind of back to back to his class. And, you know, looking back at that now, I was like, Whoa, that was a kind of messed up. Like I shouldn't have done that because he got me that job, but he was genuinely, genuinely excited for me <laughs> to like also have a class at this dance studio. So a lot of times I will put my, my higher rate out there. And if someone is like, I really want to do it, but I can't do that. It depends on the situation. If I know that they're really like struggling and like they, they have a purpose that they really want to be like getting better and doing it, then I'll have like a sliding scale of what that looks like. I'll have a number that I won't go less than though, because at the end of the day, it is my time and it is my body that I actually have to use to teach. And, you know, dance is hard and it hurts your body. And the more that you're doing it, then if you're not getting in return what, what you deserve, then your body's just going to deteriorate and deteriorate. And that's not fair to you either. So, you know, I do have a sliding scale. If they can't meet that, I have personally, like one of my old students became my mentee kind of thing, or I became her mentor and she was my assistant for years and she was like building up her choreography repertoire and she's really great. And so it got to the point where when I was really injured, I was only taking on certain jobs or dancers that I knew could like were more advanced and I could work with without having to dance over and over again. But when I knew that I couldn't, I would hand jobs to her or hand jobs to other friends of mine that, you know, I felt like their, their price might've been a little bit lower and more accessible. And that way, you know, I, I always have believed in paying it forward and the more you give, the more you get for yourself. So, and, and I've seen this time and time again, there's, there's enough to go around if you really want it. And so I, I believe in, in that fully. And I've seen, I've seen that from my friends that have given it to me, that I've paid it forward to them, that then they get more, I get more. It's, it's kind of a full circle effect. So what do you run into that's particularly difficult? You said there's lots out there if you're willing to go get it. How do you, how do you go about going and getting these jobs and how do you promote yourself? I mean, a lot of it at the beginning is social, like it's being in class. I used to take class a lot and then kind of get to know the teachers. And then, you know, I would get to know the different teachers that were teaching hip hop at least. Um, Cause that's what I teach, you know, through the different studios and then kind of like 
hanging out with them, talking to them about what they're doing, what I'm doing. And it really is like keeping those connections. So I've always, I've taught this to like my students that, you know, are in the pre-professional program that keeping up with your contacts is super important. Even if you don't feel like you're a really close friend of that person, um, just checking in. And this is something that is a strong suit for me and it's not for everybody, but I would highly recommend to anybody that's like looking to be in the arts at all, at least for dance is if you make a connection with a choreographer or a teacher and they befriend you in a certain way to the point where like, you might not be best friends, you might not hang out that often, but here and there they're like, Hey, would you want to go to this show? I always say yes. I would always say, yeah, I make the effort to like go hang out with that person. Even if I, sometimes there was like certain teachers or people that I wasn't sure if they actually really liked me that much. Like I was like, I didn't have that much to talk to them about, but I'm also a really social person. I can talk to a wall if I have to. (laughs) So I would go and just be like, make that friendship. Or, you know, if I hadn't seen a certain choreographer or teacher or a dancer that I felt like I had some sort of connection with that, you know, maybe we could work together in the future. If I didn't see them in a long time, I would shoot a text and be like, Hey, I haven't seen you in a long time. Want to grab a drink next week? Just to like keep that connection up and, and going. So there is a lot of like that social aspect of it. Um, because even now, you know, certain dancers that I've worked with, if I have like a gig or a job that I need to hire dancers for, or if I know of a friend that has to hire those dancers, I'll be like, oh, hey, yeah, I do know of somebody that could be great for you. So it's, it is about that, like keeping the community connection. And I mean, that for me, um, you know, who, someone now who's like a very, very good friend of mine, Nick Kinkle, I started out with him. Like he took my class a few times. I met him through another friend. I wasn't like good friends with him by any means, but we would see each other around town. And once in a while I'd be like, Hey, let's grab a drink. And you know, it was a friendship, but it wasn't a close friendship for many years. Um, and one year I ran into him at a show at the Joyce theater and he was directing Broadway bears, which is Broadway cares, equity fights AIDS massive show that they produce every year with like 200 Broadway dancers and, you know, like celebrity guests come and it's just a massive fundraising event. And, you know, he had taken my class years before and was like, I love your choreography. Would you ever consider choreographing for Broadway Bears? And I was like, absolutely. You know, I I was kind of terrified, but at the same time, my mother always taught me like, say yes to everything and figure it out later, which is what I always lived by, honestly, in New York City. Even jobs that I felt like, can I do this? I don't know. I literally just said yes to everything, even before I knew how to do it. Like my first time that someone asked me to choreograph for a music video for a hip hop artist, I was like, yeah, I can do that. Like, sure. I've done that before. No idea what I was doing, but like, (laughs) you know, it's, it's, it's almost like just going into every situation. Like, yeah, I know how to do that. I'm confident enough that I can do that. And then just making it work. So, you know, he brought me into Broadway Bears and my first year I was like terrified, but it went really, really well. I was asked to come back for a second year by Jerry Mitchell, who was directing the 25th anniversary. And, you know, he won the Tony for Kinky Boots. He's the director choreographer for that. And he's just a big personality on Broadway. And I'm sitting in his apartment, you know, with all these other choreographers that I've looked up to my whole life thinking like, 
what the hell am I doing in this room? And, you know, we're all pitching ideas and, you know, shaking like this because you think like, is my idea good? I don't know. And it's that constant feeling of like, is this good enough? Well, that's a pretty high pressure situation. It, it definitely is. And there was like 25 choreographers and he was like, you know, the 10, be- the 10 best ideas will get into the show this year. So the pressure's super on. You're like, I want to be a part of this again. I want to have a second chance to show my work. And, you know, luckily I got in again that year. And then I sort of solidified my, my seat until, you know, two years ago when I was asked to co-direct the show, basically passing the torch on for me to direct this massive thing. And last year was my first year solo directing the show, and I was the second female in thirty in twenty nine years to ever direct the show, and I was terrified. And there was a million times where I thought they chose the wrong person, like <laughs> I, coming up with the theme and finding the choreographers and just leading this whole shit felt really scary. But it was the most incredible learning experience of my entire life, and. It wasn't just like great. It was an incredible show to the point where people were like, oh my God, that was like one of the best bears we've ever seen. And so when you get to that point of like, holy shit, I've surrounded myself with the correct people. I've, I've created a team of choreographers, of family members, like through the dance community that have my back so hardcore that I can call them up for any questions that I might have. And it's such like a bonded community thing that is so supportive. It's just that in itself just drives you to be like, okay, I could, I did that. Now I can do that. Now I can do that. I've done all these things without really knowing how to do them. And then you really feel like, okay, I got this and I can market myself in a certain way and say like, yes, I took these things on. I did them successfully. And then it just gives you the confidence to keep going forward with different projects that you felt like maybe I didn't think I could do, but at the end of the day, somehow, some way (laughs) they happened. Now you sound like obviously somebody who likes to sit around and procrastinate and waste. (laughs) So I'm trying to figure out while you're having success with choreography uh, and teaching and you're hitting these pinnacles. And at the same time, you've mentioned you're, you, you've encountered injury and, out and questions along the way you decide to start a soup company a bone broth company yeah sorry bone broth is different than soup bone you have broth to explain. Is different than soup <laughs> okay let's start there what is bone broth um bone broth is basically taking the bones from the beef bones and the chicken bones and the most like gelatinous bones so you got the marrow bones the rib bones the chicken feet that have all the gelatin in them the collagen and you're slow simmering them at like a low and slow temperature for 48 hours. So it's a 48 hour like process that you're basically getting all of the collagen, all of the protein, all of the calcium. So it's this really, really, really superfood rich, um, anti-inflammatory, high protein, high calcium drink essentially. Um, so it is a soup obviously, but <laughs> it's not just like a soup where you're like, okay, I made this for the last three hours, cooked it up. Yeah. It didn't you come know. out of a can, came out of a cow. Correct. <laughs> <laughs> it was, there was a lot of labor that goes into making bone broth. Um, but that journey is very much tied into my dance journey about probably seven, seven or eight years ago now, 
maybe eight years ago was my first ankle surgery from a dance injury. And it was pretty devastating and really like took me out of the industry completely. Um, I had an osteochondral lesion um, in my ankle that they needed to do an arthroscopic surgery or try that at first. And it was just like a lot of cartilage damage. So basically I had that surgery and I've also had Crohn's disease since I was 15 years old that has been pretty manageable throughout my life. But after the surgery, because of all of like the antibiotics they pump you with, I just had a severe flare up for a year. And it was pretty brutal being that like I had this ankle injury that I had surgery on. And then I also had all this inflammation in my body. And when I came back to teaching six months after that surgery, I injured myself right away again. So literally the same dance move, like my ankle felt it, just like devastating. Um, went to my doctor. They said like, let's do a debridement of it, not a full surgery. That didn't work. I was basically in pain for two years straight. And, you know, during that time, my Crohn's flare-up was so bad that all these doctors wanted to put me on like Humira Remicade, which can cause like leukemia and all these other horrible things. So I was like, I'm not doing that. And my family's always very much been like healing through food. So my mother actually, we started researching some anti-inflammatory foods for Crohn's disease specifically. And we found a few blogs about bone broth, which like was not a thing at the time. It was not on the shelves for sure. And it was basically telling you how to make this bone broth for 24 to 48 hours. So being that I lived in New York City, I barely cook myself anyway. <laughs> I was like, I'm not making this. Like, I'm not going to get bones, which I find disgusting as it is, and do this it's this like smelly, like cooking, the, it smells like we live in small boxes. So my mom basically was like, all right, forget it. I'm going to make it. I'm going to freeze it. I'm going to overnight it to you from Michigan to New York. So she started doing that. And the bone broth was kind of like the one thing that I could consume for a while that really like kind of calmed my gut down. It helped inflammation in my body. It helped my joints um, because of all like the good stuff that's in it. And so you know, fast forward three years, I had to have another ankle surgery, but this time it was the same ankle surgery basically, but my body rejected the stem cells that they put in there. So I went to probably five different of the best doctors in the country to get different opinions. And finally this one doctor said like, I'm not going to do cartilage from like a cadaver or anything like that. We have to take cartilage from your knee and put it in your ankle. And it's like this really major surgery. And it was the first year that I choreographed for Broadway Bears. And I was like walking out of every single rehearsal, just like limping in pain. And I was, you know, as a dancer, we can put up with a lot of pain, honestly, like because we all get very injured and pain is just a part of the process. Um, but I just had to fake it through rehearsals. Honestly, part of part of getting injured can be helpful as a dancer because for a full year I had to basically teach from a chair. And so my choreography actually got really strong in my upper body and just like the nuanced detail of my work. And I almost loved my choreography more after being injured because I had to find different ways of putting it out there. So that was, there's always like a blessing to everything that happened in <laughs> throughout my dance journey. Um, and the bone broth company was another one of those things. So 
after being so injured, I had to cut back a lot of my dance classes that I was teaching. I was teaching like, you know, 15 classes a week in privates and my body just could not handle it anymore. So I cut back severely to be doing like a lot of the pre-professional kids. Like I love doing the pre-professional stuff. I love training kids to go on to be on Broadway or do things like that. And then things like Broadway Bears or like bigger shows like to choreograph for, I took on, but a lot of the private teaching and all that I had to sort of put to the wayside for a while. And during my first surgery, I'd actually gotten my Pilates certification as well. So I started seeing Pilates clients. I have like a home studio out of my apartment in the city. So that helped me kind of get through some stuff. But there was one like Sunday in February of 2015 where I was sitting there on the computer. It was a cold Sunday and I was on Facebook and one of my friends, she had started a lava cake company three years before and she had just gotten a deal after three years with Air France that her lava cakes were going to be on all the business class meals from Detroit to France. And I was like, wow, she did this with a lava cake. (laughs) And (laughs) You know, my mom and I had sort of talked about the bone broth helping me so much with like my Crohn's and then not just my Crohn's, but like, you know, recovery from my last ankle surgery. I got on the bone broth right away. And the doctor, when they did the MRI, they said they hadn't seen a bone heal that quickly, you know. So who knows if it's the bone broth, if it's a placebo or what, but I'll take it. (laughs) So um, at the very least, it's very healthy for you. It's like, the protein and the collagen and the calcium, it all helps your body. So, you know, I was sort of just thinking about my dance career and how I'm, I was 33 at the time and feeling like I want to build something bigger than myself and something that maybe I can carry on, like to be able to do the work that I want to do. Like I want to choreograph, I want to create, I want to teach Pilates, but I also like, I want more and I don't want to have to always rely on my body to make me money. And that's like, it's a hard thing to like start to deal with as you get older as a dancer or choreographer, but it's a real thing. Like physically, my body might not be able to keep doing this until I'm 50 years old or 60 years old. And I'm also a hip hop choreographer and there's so many new kids on the up and up and they're doing such intense things now that like we just didn't do growing up and it wasn't part of the dance world. And now it, it is. And that's just the reality of it, which is great. You know, it's evolving. So I wrote up this business plan and I sent it to my mom and I said like, let's do this. And within the first week, my mom was like looking up different places to, to cook in the kitchen and find like commercial kitchens in Michigan And one of her friends is a caterer that she was talking to. And that week, this woman, Dr. Kellyanne Petrucci, who was writing the Bone Broth Diet book, she was writing this book and she needed for her Michigan patients, she had a Michigan, New York, and LA office. She needed bone broth for anyone that didn't want to make it themselves. And she had offered it to this caterer um, and she needed 100 quarts a week starting that next week. And the caterer, who's my mom's friend, said, you obviously know the recipe. You want to start this company. Do you want this job? And so we literally didn't have our bone sources. We didn't have our kitchen. We didn't have our LLC set up, nothing. But it sort of was like, again, say yes and figure it out later. (laughs) And so we said, yes, we'll do it. And we set up our LLC. We found our bone sources. I mean, it just forced us to get our ducks in a row very quickly. And how did that turn out for you? 
Um, it was insane. The first, <laughs> the first time my father was like, that was such hard work and you're there in New York and we're cooking this over here. And I was like, okay, okay. Like we're, this is the first time, like there has to be more efficient ways to do this. Like it's going to be a process. So slowly, slowly we found our kitchen. Then we found like a 40 gallon tilt kettle. And then my father's an engineer and he found ways of like cooling systems to make it much easier and more efficient. And at first we were shipping them out in these plastic containers that were just shattering whenever you ship them and it was awful. Um, and then slowly we, we figured it out. You know, it was like, we were not in the food industry. We did not know what we were doing whatsoever. And five years later, we're shipping nationwide. We have two different products, you know, through like obviously coronavirus, people really needed anti-inflammatory foods. And, you know, we've had our highest sales month for April last month and March and I integrated it actually into my dance and Broadway world by like, I started offering backstage tastings between shows and coming in with my bone broth. And then I started doing theater drop-offs and having different theaters have sign-up sheets for how many pouches of bone broth they wanted. And I would just deliver them to the theaters. Um, You know, so I've just found ways for (laughs) incorporating it all and making it work. And I'm, I'm still figuring it out half the time. I'm like, what the hell am I doing with my life? <laughs> <laughs> well, what advice would you give to somebody who's looking to get into whether it's, it's dance or something beyond or, or, or building a company like you're, you're doing with broth masters? Um, I would say have a lot of patience and compassion for yourself throughout every process that you're doing. Because if you're, I mean, I think that's true for any job that you might go into in life. Um, but even more so in the arts, like you're putting out your own creativity when it, when it comes to art into the world. And I don't know one artist that, I mean, maybe ones that have super egos that think, even the ones with super egos that have all the jobs in the world, they are also extremely insecure in what they're doing and if their work is great. And I think, you know, it's okay to have that insecurity, but powering through it and actually for the most part, telling yourself, like, I got this, I can do this, you know, is, is, has been helpful, so helpful for me. And it's been something that I've had to learn throughout my process and something that, you know, my friends that I've made or my mom has constantly been like, you self, you self doubt and you question yourself at every turn. And it's so debilitating. And I wish that I could tell my 20 something self now, like, stop doing that. (laughs) And just go into every job and every classroom just feeling like you you are worthy to be there and what you have to give is great and even if it's not true to start you will learn and then you will be great at it so i think just like the constant reminder to yourself that what you're doing is great you're enough like you got this is half of the battle even with like starting the broth company most of the time i was like I I wanted to like give up because I would talk to like the licensing and they'd be like, you have to have this, this. I'd be like, oh, we can't do it. Like quit now, you know? And at every turn I have to give, you know, the lessons from my mother actually, who has always been a very like glasses half full kind of person. And she's always been someone that says like, we'll figure it out. My father has been always like, we can't do it. It's not going to happen, which I have a little bit of both. I have a little bit of him and a little bit of her. So Half of me is like, oh, I can't do it. It's like too much. It's too hard. And then half of me is like, no, stop. Like reassess and and learn. 
I mean, half of it is a learning, learning curve, right? So the broth company, I'm still learning. I'm learning how I'm not awesome at the business side of the marketing or the PR or how that even works or the analytics. But I've learned to surround myself with people that do know how to do that. And sometimes I have to hire people that do know how to do that. And I try to learn as much as I can from those people. And that's basically all that you can do <laughs> to try to be successful in some some way, shape, or form. And if it fails, if the broth company failed tomorrow, honestly, we put our own money into it and we didn't lose any money and it was a great success for what it was and what it is. And it was a huge learning experience of building my own brand. So, you know, that's not happening tomorrow, but uh, <laughs> hopefully it will keep skyrocketing into the future. Well, where can people find out more about you? Um, so for the broth company, our website is brothmasters.com. Um, that's with an S at the end. And through Instagram, it's Leah Barak, L-A-Y-A-B-A-R-A-K. And through Instagram is where mostly I post all my class information and stuff like that for teaching or, you know, what projects I'm doing and stuff like that. Well, thank you so much for being on the show and sharing how you make a living. Thanks for having me, Roby. It was great. Subscribe to Making a Living Show at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and pretty much anywhere else you get your podcasts. Follow along at Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. And if you like what you hear, please share the show with someone you know. Making a Living Show is produced by Next Exit Media and hosted by me, Roby Levy. Thanks for listening.